Whether you're just starting to plan your career path, you're a hard worker seeking greater opportunity, an aspiring entrepreneur, or a business person at the top of your game, Radio 111 presents The Success Doctor, a roadmap to best practices to help you achieve your best professional life with Dr. Stone James. Here's Stone. So welcome to The Success Doctor. In uh, today's show, we are extremely fortunate to have an absolute incredible guest. Uh, this is a gentleman that I had the pleasure of meeting and becoming very good friends with, very dear friends with, uh, while at the University of Southern California's Price School of Public Policy. Uh, he and I went through the uh, Doctor of Policy Planning and Development Program and had an absolute great time. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Michael Falco. Michael, are you there? I sure am, Stone. Thank you so much. I appreciate you making the time to come on the show. Uh, it, it, uh, I, I, I suspect we're going to have a great time over the next hour together. And so I've got your bio. I know so much about you. I know you as a, as a classmate, as a friend. I know you as a, uh, an incredible role model to your daughter uh, and a, a, just a, such a dedicated husband. Uh, and also admissible governments. And so to help just the, the audience appreciate a little bit about what you've accomplished, can you share with us, let's talk academics. So you recently graduated from USC's Doctor of Policy Planning and Development Program. Can you tell us a little about that? Absolutely, Stone. So uh, obviously we had a great time together and uh, at USC's Price School of public policy. It was a, a different sort of program, uh, definitely designed for you know, career professionals, mostly the executive level people who have already done quite a bit in their career, but definitely want to pursue not only the academic side of things, but also the practical side of things so that we can literally put into practice all of the knowledge and skills and abilities that we've you know, basically acquired over the years. Uh, we become what we often refer to as pracademics. Uh, our, our goal is to be able to literally solve serious and, and difficult problems, whether they be in municipal government, in the nonprofit world, in the private sector, it doesn't matter. Uh, so it was, a, it was a wonderful program, uh, something that I had long wanted to do. Uh, I'm not a youngster. As a matter of fact, uh, today happens to be uh, my 54th birthday. So uh, as amazing as it may sound, uh, I finished the program uh, in my you know, early 50s. And so it's something that was more of a kind of life dream. I'm, I want to be a doctor. My, my mother said to me, oh, I want a doctor in the family. Well, it took a little while and I finally did it. But so, she finally has know, one. It was a great program. So, yep, she so, finally has one. So you did that program, but then you were also accepted in and completed with honors a very prestigious program through the, I believe it's the U.S. Navy. Can you tell us briefly about that program? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it was the most incredible opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, while I was the assistant city manager at the city of Inglewood, uh, there in Southern California over by LAX, the home of the Rams and the Chargers, uh, I had the incredible opportunity to attend the United States Naval Postgraduate School up in Monterey, California. Uh, 
uh, an offshoot of the U.S. Naval Academy at Annapolis. It's designed to prepare mostly military uh, staff, uh, military officers, to obtain a master's degree or Ph.D. And in 2011, basically 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago to the day, it was in September, I began the program. Uh, in 2011, I was accepted into their Homeland Security and Defense Master's Program. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, as a result of 9-11, uh, they produced a program that would train practitioners by pursuing a master's degree in Homeland Security and Defense. Uh, it was an amazing year and a half program. Uh, I learned more than I ever dreamed I would learn, and I had the opportunity as a civilian to attend this because of my role at the city. I was also the deputy director of emergency management, was one of my collateral duties at the city. And so that gave me the opportunity to apply for the program, and I was uh, very, very uh, humbly accepted, and it was, it was a fantastic program. We, we wrote a very, very intense uh, thesis, uh, which I was very fortunate to uh, have uh, chosen as the uh, outstanding thesis. And so that was a, a wonderful thing uh, in, in my life, and it was the only, uh, you know, capped by the program that you and I just completed, where we actually get to call ourselves doctor. <laughs> and so uh, it, incredible. Uh, and some of the stories that you shared about your travels through that program, we could do an entire radio show just on some of the fun that you had and and uh, the nickname that you got from that program. <laughs> yes, yes, that was funny. Uh, they they actually called me. Uh, my last name is Falco, and so a lot of the folks in the program were. Uh, Police, fire, and most of them were, you know, executive level, you know, lieutenants, captains with police and fire. Uh, and one of the programs, one of the classes we took was uh, an intelligence course where we were supposed to develop uh, ways to obtain certain types of intelligence, uh, you know, potentially in the form of counterterrorism. And of course, here I was, uh, you know, at the time, a computer scientist uh, turned. Uh, city you know administrator, and I was the guy that uh, faked everyone in this particular uh, project. And I, the idea was to try and con you know convince our classmates that we were you know something other than we were. And I managed to leverage my technology skills to the point where I fooled everyone, including the instructors. And so they gave me the nickname Falqueda. <laughs> Uh, Michael, there is that. That's just that's a great story. So, so you've got that. I think you have a master's in computer science. You've been a professor at uh, uh, several colleges, several universities. Uh, most recently, I believe that you are an instructor at Cal State Fullerton. Is that right? That is correct. I actually teach on two sides of the campus. I've been teaching there for almost ten years, uh, part time, and. I teach on the engineering and computer science side for the College of Engineering and Computer Science, mostly uh, undergraduate uh, software engineering courses, and I teach a graduate course in professional ethics. Uh, that's actually really very unique and very interesting. It leverages a lot of my uh, interdisciplinary background, not only in computer science by default, but also Homeland Security and Public Administration and, of course, law enforcement. Then I teach on the other side of campus for the College of Humanities and Social Science. I teach uh, public administration and criminal justice. So I, I get a little bit of a different viewpoint. Uh, most people are one side, but I get to, to cross-pollinate, if you will, on both sides. And so I, I think it's because of that unique background, both educationally and then also professionally. You, you had mentioned that you were the assistant city manager for the city of Englewood. And I, I want to say... That was a city with, was it about 1,200 employees? Was that correct? Uh, we had at one point in time about 1,000. Uh, I think we may have eclipsed 1,000. But then 
during the uh, economic downturn or the Great Recession, if you will, uh, we had a number of uh, retirements uh, that we didn't, after retirements, we did not fill those vacancies. And we also had some unfortunate layoffs. And we ended up, I want to say, close to about 800, between 750 and 800. Uh, and that would be full time. And then we had you know, some part time uh, and seasonal staff, you know, for example, in the parks and recreation and so forth. Uh, and I was the assistant city manager there for uh, almost 12 of my 15 years. Uh, prior to that, I was the IT director. Uh, and prior to my 15 years in the public sector, I was 15 years in private sector. So about half my career I spent in, in public government. And then prior to that was 15 years in the private sector doing mostly systems implementation, systems analysis, and, and uh, project management of medium to large scale systems across just about every arena you can imagine from finance to mortgage lending to transportation to healthcare, of course, government, uh, higher ed, just about anybody who needed, uh, you know, software systems, uh, I was uh, I was involved in. So it really gave me quite the diverse background uh, that I carry with me into my coursework uh, for my students to give them kind of that practical perspective. It's all about practice, not so much just theory. And that's something that, of course, you and I learned at uh, USC. So I, I thought what might be interesting for... Uh, you know, the, the conversation that we're having tonight is your role as ACM, and I believe that you were over human resources for several years. And so given our current job market, uh, just ordinarily, the challenges of finding a new job, finding a better job, a different job, maybe you're trying to change, maybe you're trying to penetrate an industry or you're trying to you know, go back to the workforce or you got displaced because of COVID-19. I think that some of, the, some of the people that I've talked to have really had a challenge navigating the current HR system. How do you penetrate that? And so what I thought we could talk about is some of your experiences having interviewed in all likelihood uh, probably a few hundred people over the course of your career and have seen firsthand what works and what doesn't work, how people have navigated the, uh, uh, you know, the, the filter process, you know, when they submit a, an application online. And so are you good with, if we dive into a couple of questions about that? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, as the assistant city manager, I was over about seven different departments. At one point, I was the acting city manager. So I've literally overseen every department within the city government. In HR, I was the de facto HR director uh, as the as the ACM because we didn't have one and we chose not to fill it for financial reasons. So I, in essence, was over HR for 11 of my 12 years as the uh, assistant city manager. So I was responsible for all of the collective bargaining, employee discipline, and of course the hiring process and even the uh, job specification and creation of those jobs. So in interview a few hundred people, I would say easily probably close to maybe even close to a thousand, uh, or I was over, or I oversaw the interviews of at least that many people. Uh, most of the interviews that I did, I was also on panels uh, for, you know, director level positions and then manager level positions. And then at times, even uh, the lower level positions, if they were very specific, for example, IT, uh, that would require you know someone that really understood not right. only the technology but also the uh, the usage. So yeah, I can cover just about anything you'd like. So, uh, so with problem. so so with uh, I was recently talking to a friend of mine and he was frustrated with submitting resumes and not hearing anything back, whether it be through an online platform like Indeed or Monster, 
or maybe even going directly to the organization and submitting the email. You can't get a hold of someone anymore. It's all just via email. You submit it and you hope they get back to you. Do you have any thoughts on how to navigate that? I know sometimes you could have a situation where they've already picked out an internal candidate, so they're just going through the motions. Uh, but I would think that in other times they're not. They're actually looking for people. Do you have any suggestions for uh, our listeners? Sure, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, uh, as, as unflattering as it is, a lot of the opportunities that you see on these job sites uh, as you pointed out so succinctly, they've already chosen an internal candidate or they're just, in essence, testing the waters. Uh, it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. The, the job market, and especially technology in and of itself, has provided them now a medium. It used to be that we would put a, a job announcement either in a newspaper in the old days, back in the dark ages, uh, or we would put it uh, you know, at various different schools, depending upon what we were looking for. And people would apply and we would actually get, you know, physical, you know, applications either mailed to us or resumes and cover letters. Unfortunately, uh, that's not the way it works anymore. And so that's something that uh, we can certainly talk about. Well, perfect. So we'll continue this conversation with Dr. Michael Falco, professor, doctor, governance worker, and IT professional. achieve professional goals and objectives with tried and true approaches in the workplace. This is the Success Doctor on Radio 111. Now, here's Dr. Stone James. Welcome back. And we, uh, I'm excited that Dr. Michael Falco uh, from USC, dear friend, fellow colleague with a background both uh, as a pracademic, as a professor, uh, as a uh, formal, uh, former uh, municipal governance uh, expert uh, has joined us. Michael, are you there? I sure am. So when we were talking here recently just about how do people navigate with the, the new systems where they have to submit a resume online, resume and cover letter, do you have any advice for someone who is, is submitting that application, anything that they need to be mindful of, or include on there, like maybe a keyword search? Well, absolutely. It turns out that the, the most important thing to keep in mind is that while a lot of these, and there's literally hundreds of them out there and new, new ones pop up every day, keep in mind that some of them are not as legitimate as others. Uh, brand names or big names, which, you know, we won't go through all of them, but some of them are very obvious, you know, uh, LinkedIn, Indeed, you know, Jobs.com, Monster, you know, the Career Builder, those are all, you know, quite legitimate. Unfortunately, there's some out there that are not uh, always legitimate, and you want to do be careful what information you post and 
because you really never know where it's going and who's going to get a hold of it. Once you post a resume and a cover letter, keep in mind they have your name, they have your address, they may have your phone number, and that's a lot of data about you. Uh, so do be careful, uh, in, you know, in that regard. So always, always be cautious where you're, you know, replying. If you get a link from a particular company and, and it's to a particular place, that's probably legitimate. But again, do do be careful uh, where you're posting your you know, your personal information and never post anything, never pay for anything. Those are usually not, uh, not very valid. Uh, with that said, the most important thing to keep in mind is that sometimes more often than people like to admit those sites are uh, the, the people behind it, the companies that are actually looking for the employees, uh, at least the perception of that is sometimes not always the case. In other words, it may be a position within that organization, but the recruitment itself might not necessarily be active. They may just be doing some surveying. They want to see what kind of talent is out there. Maybe they're going to do a job survey or a salary survey, and they want to see what kind of people and what kind of talent is out there. Uh, Or they've already selected somebody internally, and they're just getting a feel for, does this person really have the qualifications for this particular job? A lot of times they may be creating the job spec to begin with, and they throw something out there, and people are then trying to, uh, you know, fill that void. So don't feel like, oh, my God, I've, I've done this 30 or 40 times and I've heard nothing back uh, because again, not all of them are really, you know, uh, real jobs waiting to be, to be filled. Now, with that said, those that are uh, valuable, it is very, very important. And I heard you mention the word that the phrase keywords, it is essential that your resume and your cover letter, number one, be absolutely positively flawless. And what I mean by that is they should have zero misspellings, they should have zero grammatical errors, and they should be as professional looking as possible. They should all be produced using, you know, a word processing software. Uh, if you need help with that, find someone who's, you know, very uh, capable with, say, Microsoft Word or something like that. Because what you want is them to see that you are professional. Uh, make sure that the formatting doesn't have, you know, spacing all over the place or weird. And there's tons and tons of online uh, advice and guidance for creating mem- you know, resumes and cover letters. And again, being very professional and of high quality. Never misspell the person's name. If you have a person's name, uh, you'd be surprised how many uh, documents I would get, letters and, 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 and uh, resumes, and they would misspell my name. And then that's just wow. not really a good idea. What right? a, what a negative reflection. Right, right. Right away I'm thinking, are you kidding? And here's the other thing. You're submitting this electronically, so you're probably submitting a Microsoft Word document or a PDF document. Well, I can usually look at that, and right away it may highlight your spelling errors. Oh. So you're literally just going to tell me it's going to underline it in the squiggly red, and I'm going to say, wow, you, you don't know how to spell or use the wrong there instead of T-H-E-R-E, use T-H-E-I-R and use the wrong one. And that's going to stand out, and it's going to be a, a definite negative. Uh, the next thing as far as keywords, always make your cover letter and resume customized for that particular job. So, for example, if you have a generic one, you're looking for a sales job, and you've got a lot of experience in sales, that's great. But specifically make your cover letter direct for that company. It should have the company's address and you know, as the inside address. It should potentially have the hiring manager. If you know who that is, if you don't, find out online who the head of HR is. 
always try to customize your letter. The more personal it is, the better the reflection on you as an applicant. Uh, if you're applying for multiple sales jobs, don't use just a generic letter. You know, to whom it may concern, I'm a really great person and I think you should hire me because I've done all these things. If I see what looks like a, a you know, letter that you've, in essence, in the old days, we used to just say people photocopied the same one and just handed it out, your resume, that's not the case. That's going to be very similar, if not the same. Although I would recommend, if you can, to customize it slightly, especially up at the top, you know, seeking, you know, such and such a position with that exact title. So that would be something real important to look at. So, so Dr. Falco, this really seems like an opportunity for the person to show their diligence, show their ability to research, and show their genuine interest in the position, that this is not just something that they're looking for a paycheck, but they actually want to work for that company, that company, because they That's like right. that company, and it's they want to make contributions to the success of that company. Is it, it, That sounds like what I'm hearing. Is that true? That's exactly right. Exactly right. If I think you want it, I'm going to be able to read it in your letter and, your, and, and see it in your resume. Well, that's perfect. So we're going to talk more about this topic. You're listening to Dr. Michael Falco. It's Stone James on The Success Doctor. The doctor is in. Putting your best foot forward on the job with Dr. Stone James on The Success Doctor. From Radio 111, here's Stone. Welcome back. This is Stone James and Dr. Michael Falco on The Success Doctor. So, Dr. Falco, we were talking about penetrating the, the wall whether it be penetrating the multiple layers of a human resource department, penetrating the, uh, the invisible uh, online resume and covered letter submission platform. And so you had talked about making sure that the cover letter and the resume are flawless, that you've taken the time to customize that cover letter for the company and the position that you're applying for, that you've taken the time, uh, in all likelihood, you've probably gotten uh, a friend or a spouse uh, or another family member to take a look at your cover letter and your resume to make sure that there are absolutely zero errors, no spelling mistakes, no grammatical mistakes. What were some of the other thoughts about that? Uh, Yeah, thank you, uh, Stone. It turns out that what most people, the, the, the most significant mistake that I found uh, is that the there's artifacts in the letter. A lot of people apply for multiple jobs. Totally understandable. Totally makes sense. Don't leave an artifact in a letter because you're quick to just grab the letter from you know the previous uh, job you just applied for and submit it, maybe changing a few things to quote-unquote customize it, but then you leave something in there. Uh, be very, very cautious of that. So take the time to be careful and... And, and understand, you know, that that's, you know, something that's uh, uh, very, very important. Uh, so my, my theory there is make sure that it looks good, that it sounds good, that it reads well, and that it covers things that make you stand out. When you talked about the, the concept of keywords, 
I would recommend, and I always uh, recommend this to my students when they come to me and ask me about, you know, Professor, how, what, what's a good way to, you know, write this letter? I'll literally have them give me their letter. I will tear it apart and give it back and say, this is what I would like to receive, not what you sent me. And they look at it and they realize that when I say customize, I mean you're doing some research about the company. So much information is available on the internet about a company, you just go to their website, you literally could become very well versed in that company. Well, if your cover letter demonstrates to me, whether I'm an HR, whether I'm the hiring manager, or even a CEO of the company that may read your, your letter, if it's a you know, higher level executive position, I want to know that you understand what my company does or what this company does. If you can demonstrate that in your letter, yeah, that makes it stand out. And I'm going to put that in the pile that, you know, definitely I want to you know review. And then one last thing I'll point out, and this, this really is important. Do not lie on your resume. Oh, in other point. words, do not, do not put that you have a college degree if you don't have it yet. Now, if you're getting it and it's within a few months or a semester or two, you can put the, the, the future date, the year uh, or the month and year, and you can put it in italics, but do not say things that are not true. Do not put job history that is not verifiable. It is now so easy, again, with the internet for companies and, 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 and HR departments to cross-verify and cross-validate that information, even if a company doesn't exist anymore. So do be aware that if you put stuff on there, it literally has got to pan out. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're being dishonest, and any person that puts something on there that's not true immediately goes into the uh, circular bin, if you know which one that is. Well, the trash can. <laughs> and, and you know, Dr. Falco, you bring out an excellent point, because I had heard of scenarios where someone had lied on their resume, they had gotten a job, they might have been doing a very good job in that position, but it was ultimately found out that they had lied and they were immediately dismissed. That is correct. And, and I, was, uh, I was the bad guy that had to uh, terminate an employee, a very high-level employee. Uh, he lied about having a doctorate uh, in computer science. He had his diploma or N of a diploma that he put up on his wall, and we hired him to be a database administrator a number of years ago, and it was a very high salary. It was well over 100000 a year, and he was very good. He had all the certifications, or so we thought, with that particular database uh, management system, and HR just was doing their typical uh, follow-up and follow-through, and they did a degree verification, and it came back that that person had never gone to that university, and how he got a, quote, a diploma that really looked looked valid and looked real uh, was just not the case. And when we approached him, he immediately admitted it and basically started to get up and leave. And of course, we terminated him instantly. Uh, and that was a very difficult situation because he was actually pretty good at what he did. And he probably could have stayed there and would have done a great job. But unfortunately, he lied. So, uh, so that's so, the problem. So Dr. Falco, I've got uh, station manager John McMullen. He just stopped by and he had been listening to our discussion, and uh, he had a question. I often hear from a lot of people who try and give advice to people in our industry about the resumes that they send out for jobs, and one of the things I hear a lot of people say is you have to keep your resume to one or two pages. Um, but there are a lot of people who have a lot of history and maybe relevant history to the job that they're applying for who have had you know a career over 30 or 40 years and they're continuing to go at it and 
how far back should they go for one thing in terms of the jobs that they list and or is there a different style of resume that uh, an applicant should be thinking about constructing uh, in a situation where maybe they've had a number of jobs over several years and are not going to be able to keep that resume short with just one or one and a half pages of job experience? Actually, that's a really, really good question, and I get that a lot, especially from executives who literally do have 25, 30, or 35 years of experience. There used to be a a belief that you didn't want to appear overqualified, so people would leave certain things out. I had a professor who once told me that she left off her PhD because she didn't want the prospective employer to think she was, you know, so overly educated that uh, it would scare them. Uh, and I never really quite understood it until, you know, later in my career. So, but, so you to answer your, your multi, you know, multifaceted question. The first is if you have a significant amount of experience, it would be important to share that. So trying to stuff your resume into one page or even two might not be practical. Mine is three full pages. Uh, and I have about 30 years of experience across, you know, multiple disciplines. And I have three different areas, right? I have public sector, private sector, and, acad- and the academic higher education sector. So I couldn't possibly fit it in two pages. Uh, if I wanted to include my, you know, things like that, my publications or specific courses that I've taught, uh, again, it would be impossible for me to do that. And, and maybe even three pages might take four. So there's really no rule that says it has to be. Now, for, for younger uh, employees, people that are new to the job market or only have three to five to maybe even eight years of experience, you might be able to fit it on one page or possibly two. The, you know, does a company care if you, you know, did something prior to graduating you know, from, say, undergraduate school? That may not necessarily be there unless you're brand new again to the workforce. If you have three to five years experience in your field, it's probably not necessary to tell a prospective employer that you also, you know, were a bartender or you served, you were a server, waiter, waitress type of thing, uh, worked at, uh, you know, a, a retail establishment. They, they tend not to care about that anymore. They're more interested in looking at, hey, what have you done since you got your, you know, your degree in, say, computer science or business or psychology or whatever. Uh, as you get further into your career, mid-level management, definitely okay to have two pages and to list, you know, your careers uh, or your jobs within your career. Now, if you have a definite change in your career, you should highlight that, especially if you're now doing something, you know, different, but you still have have and would like to provide value, say, hey, I do this now, but I used to do this over here, and I'm actually, you know, I've got a lot of experience in that, and it's somewhat complementary. Uh, I do that with my IT background, and my computer science and project management. That doesn't mean a lot if I'm in municipal government, but then it does because they realize that there's some synergy there. Uh, one thing that I do, and I tell a lot of uh, you know applicants that are in their mid-career, is you can summarize your older positions. You don't have to have a big paragraph to tell them every single duty and responsibility. You can have just one or two bullets or even just one sentence that, that talks about that. So that's, that's important to keep in mind. Uh, the other thing is you can have a resume that is customized for a particular position that may be slightly different than if you were applying for another type of position. So you want to highlight certain areas of your career and minimize the others. And they could just be, for example, other experience as you know, if you wanted to show, like, for example, when I show 1990 to 2000, I have just one little one little blurb. I did these 
five different things. I was a project manager. I was a senior sales engineer. I was a, you know, a curriculum developer. I was a training manager. I put those all just with those words themselves, just the titles. One, uh, one no- friend who spoke to me recently uh, about what they were going through um, had put together kind of a functional resume and, you know, one that focused on different areas of their career and then summarized things. But as they said, when a lot of these jobs today, you have to go through these portals that you and Stone have been talking about that are sites like on Indeed or even on just an employment site within an organization, a university or something like that, and they don't really make a provision for letting people put that format of information into their system, but they insist that you have to go through their form in order to you know, even be considered for a job. What would you recommend in that case? In that case, uh, definitely take advantage of your electronic resume that you probably have in Microsoft Word. Um, I just did that. As a matter of fact, for I was looking uh, to apply for a faculty position at UCI, and they have that exact scenario where they have their own online uh, system where you give the title and what you did and what, you know, the dates and the you know various components. I simply copied and pasted. I literally took the data from my resume and I copied and pasted it. And then if it needed a little bit of, you know, manipulation or modification to, to make it sound better or to be within a word limit, sometimes there's, you know, you have up to 200 words or something like that. Uh, I'm able to, you know, make those uh, online manipulations. I believe it's better that you take from an already produced document that's been proofread, that's, you know, had the spelling has been, you know, checked and verified because you certainly don't want to, you know, freehand type in there and potentially make a mistake if it's not going to catch your, you know, potential spelling errors. Uh, so that's how I would recommend that people do it. Uh, that way they can use kind of pre-canned material that they've already created and, uh, you know, tested, if you will. Well, thank you for your answers. I appreciate that, and I'll pass those Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Absolutely. My so, pleasure. So you had uh, you had talked about the the absolute critical nature of ethics and in a previous discussion we had uh, that I had talked about the role of character integrity accountability and responsibility and so it's it's interesting that you had that that story about that person who had been essentially fired for lying and not only did they not get ahead in that scenario, but I would imagine that firing for the ethical violation is going to stay with them. So when we come back, more on this topic, you're with Stone James and Dr. Michael Falco on The Success Doctor. This is The Success Doctor on Radio 111, helping students and professionals at all stages along the journey to success. Now, here's Dr. Stone James. 
This is Stone James and Dr. Michael Falco, guest on The Success Doctor. So we were talking, Dr. Falco, about integrity and ethics. And you had shared a scenario where there was a senior level executive in an organization that you worked that had lied on his resume about having a doctorate degree, who was hired, he was doing well in the position, and the human resources department had gone through their kind of normal due diligence even after he was hired and discovered that he in fact had, he had not even attended the university that he claimed to have had the doctoral degree from. And you said that as soon as that was discovered, he was immediately fired. Is that right? That is exactly correct. So it's interesting. Uh, I, th- I think that you know, uh, you've got a, a background in law enforcement, uh, as, uh, as I do. And one of the things that they had talked about, I would imagine when you went through the academy, I know that they did this with me, was they talked about the importance of integrity. And they had a saying, when you lie, you die. And at first I thought it was a little corny the way they said that. But really what they were talking about was when you lie, your career dies. And I think specifically they had talked about this idea of a Brady list, where if somebody has lied and it has been documented and proven that their name is put on this Brady list, and any time in the future that that officer has to go to court to testify in a case, his credibility is essentially immediately impugned when his name is identified on that list by the defense attorney, and essentially his testimony is thrown out. And so, you know, I think that there's a lesson for all of us that we can take from the, you know, the, the men and the women that, that are in the law enforcement segment, the law enforcement industry, just on the importance of integrity and the fact that any short-term gains are not only can be immediately lost, but the long-term damage can be devastating. And so, you know, we, we talked about, uh, gosh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, we talked about, uh, keeping track of the resumes that you submit. There was a scenario uh, that uh, it was just, there was a gentleman that I had attended uh, graduate school with at USC. And this guy was a, had gone to an Ivy League uh, school in undergrad. His depth of character is actually, was just incredible. He had a wife and uh, two kids and the real estate market collapsed. And this gentleman searched and searched and searched for a job and he was just not able to find anything. So here he had an undergraduate degree from an Ivy League school. He had a graduate degree from a top, you know, certainly a real estate development school. He couldn't find anything. And he ended up taking a job at a Walgreens as a store clerk stocking shelves. And he, he swallowed the ego, he swallowed the pride And he took that job in order to put food on the table for his wife and his two kids. And so certainly that was not why he went to school. And so while he's working this job, he is applying. And he had applied for a position down in uh, San Diego area that would have been an incredible development position. It It was a growing company, had an excellent reputation. He submitted that resume and he kept track of this and he would periodically follow up and nine months after he submitted that resume 
The company called him, responded to one of his inquiries. He interviewed, had an exceptional interview, and ended up getting that position. Have you seen that before where, or in other scenarios, Dr. Falco, where you've seen somebody submit a resume and they just, there's not an immediate response, but maybe the diligence of the individual's follow-up helps them land the job or at least an interview down the road? Absolutely, Stone. As a matter of fact, I can give you personal experience. I I hired a gentleman uh, as my emergency uh, services coordinator. Uh, He originally applied for the part-time position, and we did not fill the job because of budgetary issues. And he still continued to communicate with me. As a matter of fact, at one point, he offered to come in and volunteer. He just wanted to, you know, provide some service and get his quote-unquote foot in the door. I couldn't accept it as a as a volunteer because we didn't have a mechanism for you know having someone there basically work for free like an intern uh, would. But nonetheless, uh, about four or five months later, he would he would periodically call me and say, "Hey, how are you? You know, I, I'm so interested in that position or anything you might have." And I said, well, you know, this time we don't have anything, but I really appreciate you know, the, the diligence, right? I mean, it, was, it was impressive. Uh, it was a year and a half later, so 18 months later, after an entire budget cycle and a half had gone by, finally I got that position restored in the budget, and I reached out to that particular person, and I said, I'm going to reopen the recruitment next week. Please, you know, I hope you'll apply. And he did. And he secured himself on the list, and he was actually chosen. So, yes, I have seen that, and that is very impressive. Well, Dr. Falco, this has been just a fabulous discussion. I've thoroughly enjoyed the information in your experience. I would love to have you back on the show at a future discussion. And so this is Stone James. It's Dr. Michael Falco on The Success Doctor. Thank you for being part of the discussion.